And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we know that your son is the only one in this cosmos that has the words of eternal life. We know that you're a God who loves to speak. That when you speak, truth abounds. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come now and speak, that this dumb ox would stand aside and that we would all hear your voice. Father, that you would entreat our hearts to truth, that we may be challenged, rebuked, corrected, admonished, caused to love you more, caused to deny ourselves more, and that you, Lord, would get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's good to be back in the sanctuary, even though you're not. Um, thanks, Kev, for leading us this morning, and Julie on the, the big desk at the back. Um, it's good to be here, and it's good to be back in Luke. It's been a while, and uh, these are big passages that are being read. We're a little bit out of sync with the way that things have gone and the timings of things. Remember, as a church, the objective here is for us to read the whole of Luke as a church, and I hope you're continuing to read at home. Certainly, if you attend church online or in here, you will eventually have read the whole of Luke, and I think it's good doing that together. But of course, we're only preaching from uh, smaller excerpts of what is being read, and there's no prizes for guessing which section it's going to be today. Uh, it's the section that concerns following Christ. And let's be honest, life in Christ is about following him. It's about being in him. And so much of the New Testament is given over to causing us and encouraging us and exhorting us to follow Christ well, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. So I'm just going to read very quickly again the first part of that verse or those verses in Luke 9.23 following. Um, and we'll get it in our head again. Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever would lose his life or loses his life for my name's sake will save it. In the old English, will find it concerns following. It doesn't concern coming to Christ. Obviously, you cannot follow Christ if you haven't come to him. There are many, incidentally, that uh, try or think that they are following Christ, but do not know Christ. 
and that is in no way following Christ, following after an idea, perhaps. This is a, a powerful passage. It's a very serious passage. It's a passage that we need to pay close attention to. Might just be a nice saying to you, but I tell you, there is a massive warning in this passage. Whosoever would try and save their life will lose it. That's serious. To try and save or hold on to our lives in this world will only result in losing them. What does it profit a man if he gets the whole world? He saves himself in the whole world and yet in the end forfeits his soul or his life or himself and ends up in a Christless eternity. And the Lord doesn't answer that question. It's rhetorical because let's be honest, we all know the answer, don't we? It does not profit us at all. It's very serious because it concerns life and it concerns death, death. It's also very serious because some modern Christians have either made a very bad interpretation of this scripture, or perhaps they just flat refuse to deny self. And it can be seen, without thinking of any individuals, but it can be seen generally in the modern church, modern Christianity that's perhaps gone further, progressive or progressed beyond the scripture, by the way that people live. And worse than that, churches in some places even encourage that life. And the excuse that is often given is that um, the, the language of following Christ doesn't appear to be that present in the rest of the New Testament outside of the Gospels. The language is shifted to trusting Christ, uh, to obeying him and having faith in him. And the difference is quite simple. When Christ was here, he used the language of following him because you could literally, in a physical way, follow him. Peter left everything when he was a fisherman and followed him, physically followed him around for three years or so. In the New Testament, the rest of the New Testament is concerned with the fact that we don't have the physical Christ to follow. So following becomes trusting him, enduring, obeying in that sense, but they're the same thing. Don't let anyone tell you that this text does not pertain to you. It does. It does. So I'm going to cut straight to the chase here, uh, leave no suspense uh, at all in this little message, um, and say this. In life, as Christians, you're either denying self or you're denying Christ. You're either denying self or you are denying Christ. There is no in-between. These things are mutually exclusive. There is a pain right in the center of all of these things. Am I denying Christ? Am I denying myself? It's hard to do, right? There's a struggle. There's a battle. At the moment, Sandy and I are reading the book by Herman Melville, that great Christian classic, so I'm told. We've only just started it, so... I can't vouch for the whole book, but many, many people, many good Christians have said it's a great book, and we started reading it, and in the, as the book Moby Dick, of course, and in the middle of it, or at the beginning of it, there's a sermon by a pastor preaching to these really hard, tough 
whalers, these sailors that uh, go out and capture huge whales. And he's trying to convict them of sin. He's trying to convict them of this struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And at the end of his sermon, or towards the end, he says this. But all the things that God would have us do are hard for us to do. And if we obey God, we must disobey ourselves. And it is in this disobeying of ourselves where the hardness of obeying God consists. If we obey God, we must disobey ourselves. You're either denying self or you're denying Christ. It's hard to do. So then in order to get any kind of traction in this, we need to try and understand what the Lord means by denying ourselves and taking our cross up daily. So let's look at the text together and we'll trip through it. And then there's just a few points to consider and some application. Verse 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, then take up his cross daily and follow me. The first thing I want to say is in order to understand this text well, we have to understand something fundamental about ourselves. And that is we have two natures. We've got two natures. Non-Christians don't have two natures. Before you were a Christian, you didn't have two natures. You had one. That nature was death. <laughs> that nature was sin. That nature was carnal. It was the flesh. It was in perfect harmony with a fallen, broken world. It was in perfect harmony with Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Think of Ephesians 2, which we studied some time ago. When you become a Christian, you get a second nature. You get a spiritual new nature. We have a new heart placed in us, and a new spirit placed in us. We have the spirit of God placed in us, and we are literally born again. We are new, a new creation, a new self. The old self, sadly, is still there. The new nature doesn't supplant or remove the old. Wouldn't that be good? That would be great to not continue to live in this old, wretched, sinful flesh, our old self with the new nature. We end up with two when we come to Christ. But ultimately, we will end up with one. I long for that day. Eventually, we'll get a new body, a new flesh, and it won't be full of sin. But now, we live in this tension, this struggle, this battle. There's a war going on, isn't there, between the old nature and the new. Perhaps you could say you didn't really know that war until you became a Christian. I can honestly say that. I can say I had a sense of guilt now and again, but I had no remorse, which is terrible. But when I became a Christian, that all changed. The word itself tells us about this war between the flesh and the spirit. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other 
to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Which are the things I want to do? Well, I want to serve God, but I'm also wanting to serve the flesh. There's a real paradox in this. There's a war going on. It sounds like Romans 7. I haven't got time to look at that, but that idea of uh, why is it the, the thing I know I shouldn't do is the thing I do, and the very thing I know I should do, I just don't do. A wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body, this flesh of sin and death? Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. There's a war. There are two natures. There is one body, and there is a war. And I want to say to you this morning, if there's not a war, there's not a battle and not a struggle going on, a fight, a wrangle, then question where you're at with God. Seriously. If we don't engage in this battle, we won't really know what it means to deny ourselves. So you've got to understand that we've got two natures at war. One is good for Christ, spiritual, born again. The other is dead and full of sin. Let's take a closer look then at what it means to deny oneself. Literally, the Greek word that the Lord uses here is aneomai, aneomai. And the literal meaning of that is to contradict. Contradict is Latin, uh, contra, to be adverse, dictum, to speak, to speak against. When someone presents an argument or a fact that might not be true, you might want to contradict it. You might want to speak against it. It means to disavow. It means to reject, to refuse, to prevent admittance of something or someone. The opposite of denying is to admit, to allow in. I kind of admit. I was trying to think of an analogy, and as usual, I struggled. But I did come up with one. Back in the day, when we used to go to what was called the movie theater, I think today it's called the cinema or even something else, you'd queue up and you'd get your ticket, and then you'd queue up to go into the auditorium to watch your favorite movie. And this ticket would be checked at the door. The man there with a torch. Look at the ticket, and it would say on the ticket, admit one. Remember that? Admit one. I don't know if modern tickets have that. It'd be interesting to check, but that's what they used to be like. And when he checked the ticket, he'd rip it in half, and he would admit you into the cinema. He would allow you to enter the cinema. That's what it means. But if you turned up without a ticket, he would deny you entrance into the cinema and that's the deny that the lord is using but there's a difference on one hand maybe we'll say the fleshly part of ourselves the old self the old nature is holding a ticket and it's saying admit me admit me into the world admit me to indulge myself admit me on the other hand, the new nature is saying, no, I deny you. It's the kernel of this battle, this war. There isn't someone else. It's you and it's Christ working in you. 
There's a wrong way and a right way to deny, to look at denying self. The wrong way is to look at denying self in terms of the object that we're trying to deny. I deny, I will deny myself that biscuit. Some of you might say, Sam, that's a good idea. I certainly struggle with that. And that would mean that the emphasis that's being placed in that statement is upon the biscuit. If I just took the biscuit away, I wouldn't have an issue denying it. And it's the same with alcoholism. You might go into an alcoholic's house and say, I'm going to deny you the opportunity to drink by removing all the drinks. There's a sense in which you are denying them, but it won't remove alcoholism because they need to deny themselves. And that's the second way, the right way to focus on the one that needs to be denied, not the object, not the biscuit, but the one. Deny one's self. If anyone would come after me, let him deny the world. No. I didn't deny Satan, no, although those things naturally are part of it, but to deny himself. It's me that has to be denied. It's me that I should not admit. So that's the definition of denying self. Let's get back to the war. Remember, there are these two natures, the old self, the flesh, and the new born again self. What does the old self want? Well, fundamentally, it wants itself. It's what it's after, me, to indulge in me. It's the nature of sin, to be selfish, to love self rather than the other, which is God and man. Literally to keep the old life alive, to live in it, to dwell in it, to enjoy it. Sin is what we're talking about, to live for self. The result, as we've already said, is you lose it. You lose that life. It doesn't profit you. If you get it all, you don't get anything. It's only dead anyway. And what does the new self want? Well, fundamentally, to follow Christ. To honor him. To love him. To live in the spirit, not in the flesh. To deny the old self. That's what the, the new spirit wants. That's what the new self wants. Deny the old self. That's why you have the tension. That's why it exists. To realize that the old self is actually dead. It's powerless. It's impotent. The new self wants to prevent the old self from reigning, from being king, from having absolute control. But we mustn't let sin reign. We must be in the battle. Listen to this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. What is Paul saying? It's Galatians 5. He's saying, well, the old flesh, the body of sin and death, causes all of this problem. 
has actually been crucified with Christ. Christ died for that old nature, that old self, for that sin. That's what he died for. That's what he atoned for. And so in actual fact, that life comes to nothing. It's dead, even though we're still having to live in it. He then goes on to say, so that we'd no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. For we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Listen. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? You must deny yourself. You must be dead to sin because you are. It's dead. It has no dominion and power. It's, its power is simply that it falls into the grave. If you believe in Christ, You also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, let sin therefore not reign in your mortal flesh that you obey its lusts. You can, you can live in a way that sin reigns. It, it, it's king. It's victorious. You're not denying yourself and you obey its passions. You go where it wants you to take you. Living in the old self, not living in the new Did you notice in the text that we're looking at today that denying ourselves also has an addition? It has taking up our cross. We all have a cross. Some people interpret this uh, section as a, a kind of um, burden that we have to bear. And there's no question that we have burdens. We're to bear one another's burdens in Galatians 6. But that's not really what the Lord's talking about. What is he saying? The question is, where are you going if you're going to take up your cross? We all have the cross. Where are we going if we take it up? We're going to Coles? Wandering down to Coles with my burden? It's my burden. Nice burden. Nice cross. Where'd you get that? Could you pass the milk, please? It's not what the Lord's saying. The Lord's saying, die. If you take up your cross, you're going to Calvary like him. Deny yourself and die. That's what it means. Die to self. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian who died in the Second World War, is put to death by the Nazis just prior to the end of it, wrote a lot around discipleship, around following, around making disciples. And he had a very famous book called The Cost of Discipleship. Just a simple quote that comes from that is simply this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die, deny yourself, take up your cross daily. Did you see that in the text? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We need to do it every day. It's something that's an ongoing battle. It's an ongoing struggle. Maybe we have addictions. Maybe we are letting sin reign in our mortal flesh. We need to die to it. We need to deny it. Prevent ourselves from getting into it. Deny yourself. That's what that means. Take up your cross. We need to die. 
You need to come to Christ daily, every day. Is there a day that you haven't sinned? Daily. Start again every morning or every evening. So that's what it means to deny ourselves, to take up a cross. But the question is, what does it look like? We get the theology and the idea behind this, but what does this actually look like for any of us? Well, I've just got three questions to help us try and unpack uh, that a little and, uh, and some applications. So hear me with this. Question number one is, what does it look like when we don't deny Christ? When we do let sin reign in our mortal flesh and admit, allow entrance to our old self. Well, there's two ways of looking at this. There's a kind of more obvious way and there's a more subtle way. Both are very important. Let's look at the more obvious way. Back in that text in Galatians 5, I'll read it again for us. But I say, this is the battle, the tension, the war. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not glorify, gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you don't want to do, that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. I'll say that again. The works of the flesh are evident. You can see them. And then he gives us a list. Starts with sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and just remembering who's Dave spoke to us recently. That's not just sex, it's anything that stimulates the senses that interests us too much. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then he says this, and things like these. <laughs> He's not got a long enough list, has he? Very obvious those things are wrong. But there are more subtle pictures of what it looks like when we don't deny ourselves. Many of you might read that list that I've just read out there or hear it and say, well, that's okay. Don't think I indulge too much in any of those. But there are other things that we treasure too much. The Lord says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Little pleasures in life, what we might call little indulgences. The world is is very keen to kind of get you to indulge, to pamper yourself in some way, to not deny yourself, but to admit yourself. Spending a little bit more money on ourselves. That's what the world wants right now, to spend a little bit more money. That's why the, the people love money, so I can spend more on myself, just a little bit more. Wasting time on things that just frankly don't matter. Entertainment, too much entertainment, too much amusement. One I really dislike is uh, having a little me time. 
I've been stressed lately. I just need a little me time, need a little bit of time to myself. Well, that clearly isn't denying oneself. What you need is a little time with the Lord. In fact, a lot of time with the Lord. It's everywhere. I just need a little me time, a little, get a little bit of me. Everybody wants something of me. I just want a little bit of me. Pampering, going away for that special weekend away where I just get pampered. Being focused on the wrong things, perhaps putting my job first, my career, my business first. Putting my needs simply before the needs of everyone else. That's what it looks like to not deny self. Ultimately, we get caught up in hobbies, get caught up in the world, what the world thinks is right and you should have, you have a right to. It looks just like Christ doesn't really matter to us. I'll come to church, I'll stand, I'll celebrate the King of Kings, I'll sing the songs, but actually I need a little bit of me time too. Where does it say that in the Bible? Nowhere. We matter more. That's what the world is saying. People say, God wants me to be happy, Sam. Really? Where does it say that? Ultimately, you will. But actually, you're going to suffer. He wants you to be in joy. He wants you to be in true hope. Christ will come again. It doesn't say you need to go and look for happiness. The things that make you happy. Only Christ can do that. Be careful. Don't live in your old nature. Ultimately, if you're not denying yourself, you are denying Christ. Remember that. So that's what it looks like when we don't deny self. Let's have a very quick look at what it looks like when we do deny self. Well, if we continued in that quote from Galatians 5 that Paul gives us, we'd hear this. But, in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have, listen, crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. What do you, what do you hear when, when I say that? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Crucify the flesh. Take up your cross daily and follow me. To lose your life for his name's sake. The Lord is saying to deny yourself for me. Because if you deny yourself for me, you're truly a Christian. And guess what? You get your life. You get your real life in Christ. True life. Not in the dead carcass of sin that's going nowhere other than the grave. You get to live properly, so to speak. And it starts with God. Every, everyone else comes first. Jesus Christ is first of the first. That's what it looks like to deny self. What's the greatest commandment? 
love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't have a little bit on the end. It says, and, and have a little bit of me time. Love yourself. You get a pampering here. Spend some more money on yourself. Get some more hobbies. No. Christ comes first. Then everyone else. And you? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. And you might say to me, well, that's good and well, Sam. I understand that. But you need to give me a key here and unlock the door. How do I do this? And that's the, the critical part of this, isn't it? How do I do this? Well, let's be honest, as we already have. It's hard. It's a fight, as I've said. It's hard work. To deny self literally will require you to admit Christ into your life. Oh, you can stand and try and deny self. You can fight the alcoholism, as an example. I will not drink. Good luck with that. But if you admit Christ into your life, you can start to deny, to deny self. You have to learn how to admit him. You have to give him access to all areas of your life. Not just this. This is for knowing. We often talk about the, the long distance, don't we, between this and this. How do we do this? How does it work out in my life? Not just giving intellectual assent and understanding doctrine and theology. Those things are good and essential. But what do I do with them? Do, verb, right? How do I admit Christ? Remember that text, do not let sin reign in your mortal flesh that you obey its lusts. I say, let Christ reign. He's the one that needs to reign in your flesh, <laughs> in your person, in your character, in your nature, in your whole life. So you obey his commands. So you desire to die to deny and admit and not deny him. So how do I do it? There's just a few things to consider. How do you work at admitting Christ into your life? Number one, pray. Pray. Nothing happens without that. Speak to the one you want to admit into your life. Many years ago, I used to um, work alongside others in another church with junior teens, very heavy on the gospel. We studied Romans. And someone asked one day, what's the hardest prayer that you can pray? And I said, the hardest prayer that you can pray, if you're honest, is, Lord, make me like you. Do what it takes. Make me like you, Jesus, and do what it takes. That's a beautiful confession of the desire to deny self, to want to be like Christ. Pray that prayer. Beg God to allow Christ to have access to all of you. He has, but you need to yield to it. Prayer. Beg him. Secondly, read the word. Hear the voice of the one you want to admit into your life. Memorize it. I really lament the fact that people don't memorize scripture. 
read your own biography in that book. You're there. It's not a good look. One, the old man, the old self is not a good look. But the new man, the new self is glorious because it reflects the glory of Christ. You'll be changed from one degree of glory into another. We shall be like him. But it also contains the biography of God. Read it. Learn to hang on to the promises of God when things are hard, when you're tempted to live in the old self and to deny Christ. You won't be able to without the word and the spirit of work in you, convicting you, challenging you. The Bible itself says you need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You need this wisdom. The Bible says that we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that renewing power is the word itself. The Spirit of God speaking his word into our lives. We need to take up the full armor of God. Isn't that what the word says? You're not going to stand without the prayer and the armor of God. Take up the shield of faith. Lift the sword of spirit. Pierce yourself with it. Crucify yourself with it. All scripture says scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. <laughs> All scripture is there to teach you to deny yourself and to admit Christ. Go to Bible studies. Get into the word more deeply. Challenge one another with the word. What does this mean? How does that apply to my life? Just come on Sunday and hear a 40-minute message and us reading scripture. It's not enough. It's not enough. You need it every day. Delight in it. Read Psalm 1 and be reminded. Thirdly, come to church. It goes without saying, you're here at church, so well done come to church keep coming to church i know it's hard we can't physically come to church but we are a church we've given each other a virtual hug this morning come to church we're there to encourage one another it's hard oh do you want to share that with me yeah come to church admit christ be rebuked take communion pray rejoice lament church is unique in the experience that you can have in this life. You can go to various clubs. <laughs> it's nothing like church. Number four, get into an accountability relationship. If you're married, excuse me, if you're married, you're accountable. Get into that relationship in an accountable way. Perhaps you need another friend to do that as well, and that's okay. I meet with some guys and Try and be accountable to them. Think of one guy in particular. Occasionally he takes me for a walk and gives me a great rebuke. I don't look forward to the walk or the rebuke, but it's good. I hope that I do something similar to him. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, says the Bible, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Your friend is going to tell you what's wrong, what's going wrong. 
and hopefully from the truth of the Bible, but be accountable, get into an accountability relationship. You can't do this on your own. You need the spirit, you need the word, you need the church. Be in an accountable relationship. Number five, learn to be truly confessional to God and to man. Read your biography in the word and find out that nothing good dwells in you. Be honest, be sincere. Read the Psalms. Against you and you only have I sinned, said the psalmist David. Well, truly, he sinned against many, many other people. But he understood the nature and significance of sin before God. And so he confessed. When he didn't, he says, when I kept silent, my bones withered, wasted away. Tears were my friend day and night or something similar. Be truly confessional about who you are. God isn't fooled. Number six, focus on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Focus on the gospel, right? That's where it all comes together. That's how the flesh cannot have any power because it was crucified with Christ. If I don't understand that and somehow enjoy, get into that, then I'm missing the point. Focus on it. Contemplate it. Consider Christ the source of your salvation. Consider him. I like to actually imagine him on a cross. Uh, maybe that's not a good idea. I don't know. I don't imagine his face or anything. But just he's on the cross for me. Need the gospel every day of your life. And lastly, number seven. Work hard at this. Work hard. Fight. Fight. As one man said, if we do not labor to admit Christ into our lives, then our efforts to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him have no power at all, no effect, and will do nothing but bring Jesus dishonor. We need to work at this. It's not works, but we have to do something. We have to labor to admit Jesus Christ into our lives. I love that language. It's John Donne. Work to admit Christ into my life, that I will not let sin reign in my mortal flesh. Access all areas, Jesus. Take me all. Crucify every part of my old self. Let me live in a way that brings you absolute honor and praise. That's where holiness comes from. That's where repentance is at work. As I said at the beginning of this message, this is about following Jesus. This is about trusting him with your life. This is about losing your life for his name's sake. And in res result of that, the result of that is you find or get your life. But listen, the end of this passage has a massive, massive warning. Those that say they're Christians and yet do not deny themselves have a kind of shame at work in them. They are ashamed of Christ. Perhaps we suffer with that when we're in the world. We know that we're a Christian, there's a tension there, and we're with a bunch of people that aren't behaving well. It's easy to become like them. Well, if you do that, you're denying Christ and you're showing shame to Christ. And at the end of this section, almost at the end, verse 26 in Luke 9, the Lord says this. 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You're ashamed of me, then I'm ashamed of you. You call yourself a Christian, you say you follow me, but actually you don't deny yourself. It's Christ. Jesus in us that is doing this work. If we do not labor to admit him, then to what end? Friends, do you long to follow Jesus? I do. I fail. I fail all the time. But I desire it. I long to see Jesus' face. I long to see him return and say, I'm not ashamed of you, Sam. You were in the battle, you're in the fight, you try to admit me, you're weak, but I'm strong. It's Christ in us that does the work. Allow him to. It's Christ that needs to get the glory. He's worth it, isn't he? He's God. He died for you. You want to give him glory? You want to obey him? Christ in us is the one who works. I want to leave you with a verse. We'll lead into prayer so maybe if you if you will just close your eyes and reflect on this verse I'll, I'll change it slightly make it more direct to us it's apostle paul again in galatians 2 i'm sure most of you know this but just soak it up again because this verse smacks of the reality of denying self taking up our cross and following him daily You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And the life you now live in the flesh, in the old self, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the greatest example of denying self, of taking up his cross, not daily, but once for all, is Jesus Christ. Lord, we acknowledge that he did not have a sinful nature like us. It was perfect, and yet took on that sinful nature, took on our sin we thank you for that we praise you for that we want to access something of the real power of that today lord teach us what it means to labor to admit jesus christ help us lord to be accountable in this help us to note and notice when we are not denying self when we're not living for christ help us to feel the shame of that lord help us to return to you and to know what it is to be truly alive. For whosoever will lose their life for my name's sake shall find it. Nor Chapel Street said, Amen. <laughs>